So before us is just seven verses, typical of, of the Gospel of Mark, uh, which gives us, I like to say, snapshots. Uh, you get just what you need to get uh, a, the point across. There's not a lot of addition to it. Unlike a lot of preacher sermons, it's just straight to the point. And uh, that's, a, that's a neat thing about Mark. Mark is also of the four Gospels that are contained in the New Testament, uh, the earliest of those uh, most in agreement by scholars. Last week we talked a little bit about uh, community, what it is to be a faith community, to be a part of a community, how to develop community, those kinds of things. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a never perfect kind of thing. Community's always growing, always striving, and we're always doing our best to move forward. The community of the, of the faithful is, is the place where we find our calling to ministry, where we seek to have that defined for us or when we're struggling, it's the place where we can, we can find consolation and reassurance. And it's a place where we can begin to define and follow our call and our uh, uh, calling, especially to, to offer Christ to others. This text, as I said, just seven verses long, is, is uh, one that tells a story that really could have several different themes of sermons developed out of it. And I, and I want to talk about just a, a few thoughts from it with you, relating back to this idea of community in, in being a part of community. How do we do that? How do we do that as disciples of Christ? There, there is this, uh, there's just a few lines in there that I want to pick up on. One is that it says in there, the time is fulfilled. What a, what a big statement that is. You know, that's like page one, Omaha World Herald or New York Times, time is fulfilled. Um, and, and fulfillment to me immediately brings up, okay, we've, we've won the day, whatever that is. And, and we might define that from our faith life and our understanding, our perspectives in different ways. But the time is fulfilled. It's like uh, uh, the Nike, the, the Greek, uh, Greek, she was Greek god of goddess of victory, Greek goddess of victory. So there's throughout uh, all belief systems, folklore, scripture, different faith communities, uh, this idea that, that somehow we, we, we become victorious over something, whatever that might be in our minds. And I don't want to nail that down too much, but just to say that that's, that is a part of this short text. Jesus says the time is fulfilled, and I think for a lot of folks, the, the, the idea is, oh, okay, well, you know, all done. It's, it's wrapped up. Jesus did it way back when, when he walked the earth. So what do we need to do now? It's all done. We realize that we're far from it as disciples. We realize that our world is far from victorious in, in perhaps a way we might imagine God would, would, would dream and envision for us. There's a lot of brokenness, a lot of hurt, pain, violence, make your own list. And yet the text goes on and, and we realize, oh, this is just the beginning of Jesus' ministry. The two sets of brothers, you know, he's recruiting as, as his disciples to, to follow him. And John, John the Baptist, has already been arrested and will be executed. And things are just getting started. Those hearing this story, I bet, around, around Jesus at that time, 
as he was coming to be known to others, probably knew very well, full well, what the risks were for them in following him. They knew that they were going to need faith wrapped in courage. Faith and courage. I find Mark's uh, sense of timing here interesting. What does it mean to us today to hear that the time has been fulfilled? Again, it goes back to the, is it all done? No, absolutely not. We know that's not the case. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing how many mission programs and outreach work do we do here. We know that people still need us and, and depend upon us for lots of things as the church in this community, in this world. So things are not fulfilled. So we have to forecast that out in terms of understanding that Jesus' statement, it is fulfilled in him and will be fulfilled again and again. And that's the power of it. There are ever-present challenges. I believe there always will be. I don't think our work is ever really done. If Mark's text is correct, the fulfillment is, is more about an understanding of the reign of God being at hand, that God has, has, has intervened and, and become a part of the world in a different way because of Jesus' presence among us. So how do we talk about that? There's, a, there's a, you know, this idea of fulfillment, you know, that it, 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 the time is fulfilled. There have been a lot of ways people have interpreted that. Uh, go online sometime when you have a few spare moments and just look up all of the uh, predictions for uh, the, the, the second coming of God and Armageddon. There's a whole bunch of them. Uh, and they go back centuries. Uh, in, in, in 2011, uh, there was a pastor who, uh, who made a judgment. Uh, that, that 2011 would be a judgment day and then had to correct that in uh, 2012, um, so, okay, the, and we keep going with this. In 2012, there was a prediction made that uh, it would happen in 2013 by another pastor. In 2020, not too long ago, Armageddon prediction was, uh, was given by a pastor who had also previously predicted that for February 4th, 1962. So that person had decades in between, same prediction, just, just uh, got it up, was off up by a few decades. You see where I'm going with that, that these predictions of, you know, fulfillment, the end times, Jesus coming back, you know, that, that doesn't happen, ever. <laughs> and I don't believe that's what, what this text is talking about when it says the time is fulfilled. Fulfillment is understood in a different way. It's not a believe it or not kind of thing, and if you don't believe it, you're in or out, uh, and if you do believe it, you're in, if you don't believe it, you're out. Rather, it's, it is found uh, as, as a way of engaging us. So, so the, 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 full, the idea of fulfillment is about us engaging, about us coming to terms with our relationship with Jesus as disciples of Christ. So we live into the text as persons of faith. And, and, and discipleship. And I think that's what the, the, the author of, of the text here in Mark is saying to us and to the people of his time, that this is about relationship. Being a disciple today is certainly about relationship, but it's also about caring for ourselves 
the maintenance of our spiritual and emotional and physical lives in a secular culture that would have us do things a lot differently. It's about being a change agent, especially for the poor and the marginalized. It's about believing you are a part of a ministry of healing. Now, I know there's connotations around healing as well and what that means. I do believe in a healing ministry, and we're going to have an experience with that in the near future in terms of what that, what that means to us as a community faith. It's about knowing who you are. It's about your identity as a disciple. And identity, I believe, is a key word. It's not expressly used in this text, but I think it's about identity. It's about us understanding our identity. Who are we? Is anyone in here exactly the same? Absolutely not. We're all very different, very unique folk. I saw that on a, I saw that on a church sign one time, that we're all unique uh, creations of, from God's love. You're all unique, just like everyone else. Uh, <clears throat> I love that idea. And we are. We are. But in, in that understanding is we find our own identity, our own relationship with, with Christ. And, and there, there is in there also the word immediately. And immediately they went out. And, and that often comes to mind, okay, we're, we got to get some things done. And, th and that's a part of it as well. But it goes deeper than that into this idea of, of identity. And, and in verse 17, it talks about um, fishers of people. And it's better translated that, that often is translated into a task, you know, recruiting people, church growth, uh, more new members, those kinds of things. And, and that's all good stuff. But the better way to understand and interpret that text, according to many biblical scholars, is to read it in terms of identity, our identity, the identity of others. Follow me, and I will make you become fishers for people. So these fishermen were asked to give up catching fish out of the water to, to be fishers for people. For is different, isn't it? That gives it a different way of thinking about it. It's less about we got to get more people on board with the program here and more about how do we really deeply engage and, and, and get in touch with the lives of people and for ourselves as well as disciples of Christ. To become fishers of people, for people, is a whole new identity. This is not just about that, like I said, a church growth plan or raising offerings, those kinds of things. This is about a genuine and relevant way of us being authentically who we are in our own faith life. Don't have to have all the answers. Sometimes we are uncertain about our own commitments. Sometimes we just struggle and fall to the ground. Discipleship is less of a task and more of the realization of who we are in relation to Jesus Christ. So what is your identity? One of the things I want to challenge you to really think about this week is what is your identity as a disciple of Christ? What, when you hear that about yourself, you've, you've take, if you're a member of this church, you've taken those membership vows, how do you live into that? I want you to spend the week finding that identity as a disciple of Christ. Actually, spend the rest of your life doing it. This is not so much about what you do, 
but how you follow, how you live into it. Our text starts off with this ominous, serious tone. John had been arrested, would be eventually executed, and they knew the risks, as I mentioned. To repent, to begin a new life again, to be led by the Spirit takes only faith, but a fair amount of courage, and that is the reality of it. On February 14th, believe it or not, we begin Lent with Ash Wednesday. Valentine's Day is Ash Wednesday, by the way. Uh, so it's coming right up. It, this is one of those years where there's not a lot of time between Advent, Christmas, and then it's on to Lent and Easter. So it's, a, it's an interesting time of year for us. This is a time to really think about and get into this idea of you know, how does God call you through Jesus Christ? How does God draw you back into the waters of baptism, marking you as his own, promising you life abundant because God saw something amazing and awesome in you? God called us for the same reason as he called those disciples, to identify in us and to help us self-realize the depths of God's grace and love and the power within each of us to offer that out to the world in ways that heal, unite, liberate, all of the things we're called to do. And that sounds grand, right? It really does, and it's good stuff. But I think, I think about myself and my self-reflection is me <laughs> with my rebellious heart, me with my own deep struggles, me with my lack of faith and very long list of faults. You know deep down that you're really unworthy, not fit to get, tie God's shoes, let alone do this work and be called God's child. And yet, even for me, as I consider myself in that way, and that's painful to say, I know what is true, and that is what is said early on in this text. The time is fulfilled. It's fulfilled in me. God is here, loving me forever, simply will not let me go. A God that chooses me, you, all of us, together. So the question you might be asking is, so what's the point? We can proclaim the truth that God has chosen us completely out of mercy all day long, and we should, but that's the action step. The truth is, how do we live it out in our lives? And the answer is found, I believe, from within, as we study these texts, as we learn about them, as we gather in community, these are ways to grow and develop. But it has to be an inward transformation first. We can't transform the world until we transform from within. It's a simple and powerful idea that I believe is at the core of this text, even though it's not expressly stated. So today, I want you to hear that story and, and reread it again from the text about Jesus' ministry as it begins to unfold. What did the people know? 
They know that John has been arrested and executed. And this is only chapter one. Yet Jesus boldly proclaims, you're called, follow me. As he calls these disciples with immediacy, they drop their nets, leave their lives, and follow him. We too may need to reclaim our identity as we might have lost track with the teachings of Jesus. Like them, we may need to search for him again in our hearts, our minds, and our souls. And yet, the assurance is there. Always loved, always given grace, and always hope the time is fulfilled. Amen.